2: You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes, Middays 10 to 2, on Sports Radio 670, The Score. It's
3: Odyssey Station. Andre, you've been obviously around for <clears throat> quite a few minutes. What, uh, this time of year always has brings a certain amount of anxiety. What are your feelings going into this trade deadline as far as rumors around you and, and what that could mean for you in the next 48 hours? You know, I
2: just control what I can control. Uh, is that have to, hard to do or is it learn? Nah, man, man, I've been doing this for 12 years, man, so if it didn't change then it won't change now. There's nothing I can do about it. If it happens, happens. If it doesn't, great. Either way, I'm just going to continue to come in and do my job on a, night, on a daily basis. What do you hope happens?
4: Hmm? What do you hope happens? I mean, obviously, there's teams calling on you. What do you, what do you?
2: Again, I control what I control. Whatever jersey I put on, which is Chicago Bulls, that's who I play for now
3: a healthy way of looking at it for a guy who's worked hard on his own mental health in the last calendar year Andre Drummond he says 12 years it feels like 20 it's hard to believe it's only been 12 for him and no movement on the Bulls front here to talk about the trades that are flying across the NBA right now as we speak and what might happen between now and the deadline is Odyssey NBA insider Nick Fridell. he's on Twitter at Nick Friedel and he joins us Now on the score hotline that is presented by Circa Sports Illinois, download the Circa Sports app today. Always check out twitch.tv slash 670, the score. What's up, Nick?
4: Dan Lawrence, it is great to be with you guys. I mean, just hearing the Bulls aren't going to do much, I felt like I was going back into a time machine. (laughs) It just never changes, does it?
1: It doesn't seem that way. Look, you covered this team for a really long time, and I know it was a different management back then, but – Why? Why in the world would they stand pat? Like, what reason is there for them to stand pat? Uh,
4: There's not. (laughs) I mean, they're just—they're never really going to change, are they? The amount of times—and it wasn't just at the trade deadline, but it would be in the summer when all the free agency talk would happen. It's all the years of, are they going to go into the tax? I mean, guys, they are who they are. And it starts all the way at the top. Uh, It's on Mike, and it was on Jerry before him. But as far as Karnasovic and Eversley, I mean, if you're a fan of this team, I don't see how in the world you could have any faith uh, in the direction they're going. I mean, they're not going anywhere, and and that that is the worst place that you can possibly be in pro sports. And it feels like, uh, especially since I left Chicago, guys, uh, that's where they live. I mean, they're just stuck in the middle, and they, they made uh, bad hires uh, with the front office. I think that's very clear, and it's become clear. Over time, And when that happens and you don't hire the right people and they're making the wrong moves, you get the mediocrity that they're stuck in right now.
3: There is a thematic statement in John Milton's Paradise Lost where the fallen angel declares it's better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. And it appears the Bulls are not only in NBA hell, they enjoy it. They, they want to be there for some reason, and rather than explaining to fans how, and recognizing how they're going to get out, it, it seems to me, Nick, like they look at a full stadium and they see what is essentially has become, for lack of a better term, dinner theater. And the entertainment product is outstanding. And, and they spare no expense when it comes to the bells and whistles in the entertainment that just has to be competitive enough. It's just – it's it's insulting to fans in a competitive sport that they're so pleased to be an NBA hell.
4: I mean, Dan, you said it perfectly, especially in Chicago. I, I think that's the thing As I became more removed – I went and covered the Warriors for a few years out in the Bay Area. Then I uh, was around the Nets in New York City. When when you see how certain teams operate, especially in certain markets, and I compared that to my experience around the Bulls in Chicago, Illinois, with the passionate fans uh, that exist in in the city, it's stunning. (laughs) But do you realize why they are where they are? It's funny – listening to the buildup there and what we're talking about, because I was talking to Cody Westerland, who's worked for you guys and done a great job forever. He's one of my closest friends. And I was telling him that the last time I was around everybody at the score was 17 years ago. We were all down in Miami. The Bears were in the Super Bowl. Mitch had hired me as a gopher to basically drive Murph around and pick up food hey, for hey, everybody hey, day, God, day to day.
3: God get me my lunch. We could
4: have had the same conversation about the Bulls in that moment 17 years ago that we're having right now. What hell are they doing? Why are they making the decisions that they're either making or they're not making? When you have a team – that has that type of reputation, not just locally and not just within the fan base, but across the league, there's no wonder why they have the product on the floor that they do.
1: Nick, I know you talk to a lot of people around the league. Are, are we overvaluing the players that the that the Bulls have on their roster? Are, are people just not interested? Because it, it feels like everything that I've seen that people would like to have Alex Caruso, maybe DeMar DeRozan, maybe Andre Drummond. Is there a market for those players to be traded?
4: Lawrence, I think there's always a market when you want to make a move, when you're motivated to do so. And specifically to Caruso, certainly there's there's a lot of interest in him. DeRozan, in the last year of that deal, at the age that he's at, I'm curious – to see just what a team would give back. But, again, we're running in these themes that, that we've all talked about for so long. I mean, go back in time, guys. Uh, when, when they made the Levine deal, I mean, I didn't think that, that you should have given him the first extension, the Bulls should have. But then the worst mistake that they made, the, the new front office, the single worst mistake was not moving him while he was on that initial extension. You kept him and you signed him to a max and now it's like, uh oh, <laughs> he got hurt again. Oh, you're kidding me. He's got three years left on a max deal. He's not a max player. So they've been overvaluing the assets that they do have for years. I mean, this is not anything new for anyone who has followed the team, but specific to today and what they, well, it they seems have. like they
1: did the same thing with Vooch too, where they, yeah, they, they completely. overvalued their own guy.
4: Completely, and and they they did the same thing with Lou Aldang you know, ten fifteen years ago. I mean, it's it, it's a pattern. Uh, I I can't believe I would ever defend Gar and Pax uh, because it was long past due for them to be gone and for there to be a fresh start uh, with a new front office. But if you're a Bulls fan, you'd rather have Gar and Pax right now than than anything Karna and Eversley have done. I, I mean, to sit there, if in a few hours the Bulls don't make a move or you know they move Andre Drummond for not much, I would be livid if I were a season ticket holder because not only are you not very good right now, where are they going? There's, there's not room for them to be uh, much of a, of a difference maker in the next few years. And this is the issue. It's not just about today and what may happen, I mean, they are so locked into mediocrity, it's scary.
3: And what's disappointing to me too, Nick, is when these two guys were hired, I looked at their record connected to development. We can say what we want about the names that we know or the the, the guys that they're drafting, but both the Raptors and the Nuggets – had an exceptional developmental record when you can make Fred Van Vliet out of nothing and Pascal Siakam, and, I mean, you can, I mean, obviously Jokic is a a once-in-a-lifetime player, but finding value in development, and we're still waiting on that. The fact that we're celebrating Kobe White at this point Awesome. Wonderful. But now you've got a responsibility that you have developed him to look at where his prime years are going to be. And instead of letting all these old stars age around him, the, the, this should be the, the tip of the iceberg. There should be more guys developing. Where has that piece
4: been? It, it hadn't been there. I, and and I couldn't agree with you more. When you, when you read about and you talked about what Eversley and Karnasovas have been known for in in these previous stops, especially Karnasovas, when you talk to people across the league, they went, well, the younger guys figure to get better. And for the most part, aside from what Kobe White has done for most of this year, they just haven't. And when you change front offices, you're looking for themes. You're looking for reasons to get excited about what has occurred. And one more time, what reason is there to be excited right now if you're attached to the organization? I mean, the these guys just feel like they they took over for Gar and Pax and it it's either more of the same or it's worse than what it has been, which is just crazy. But when you watch the younger players on that team, you're kind of like, ah, I mean, hey, really this is all that there is and and you look at Pat Williams. I mean, what, what where is he gone, and why do, would you feel confident about where he's going? And I just, I watch what's gone on, and I, I know so many people within the organization still who have been there such a long time, and they're always so hopeful that things will turn. But if you keep making the wrong choices, the wrong choices build up over time, and sometimes you can't. Snap yourself out of it. But uh, in this case, I mean, this is why if you're Mike Reinsdorf and you've seen what's going on, I would change that front office in a heartbeat. It's not working. It hasn't worked. They haven't done the job. Get somebody else in here who will.
1: Nick, I I really believe that they're still holding on to what they had on their dry erase board three years ago. They thought you know with Lonzo Ball at the point guard, and it made sense. Like the, the, you have a, a guy that that could hit threes, that was a, a tempo guard. Like all this stuff could defend, could be the tip of the spear on defense. Like all that stuff. What what bothers me? I don't have a problem with that being the vision. Adding that to Demar and Zach Levine and Vooch. What bothers me is that after his injury, they never really replaced him, and they're still stuck. You're three years later, we're, we're still looking for the Bulls to have a point guard, and it doesn't make sense that that doesn't exist.
4: Uh, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And the thing that always scared me, Lawrence, in, in the the Lonzo signing, is it's like, okay, well, he's a good player when he's on the floor, but is he always going to be on the floor? And this is coming off the heels of Derek. And, and everything that everybody went through during uh, that whole – up-and-down time in the organization's history. When they signed a guy who had had injury problems before he got there, I went, well, uh, didn't we all just see how this movie played out? And now uh, he's missed two seasons, and everyone's going, ah, well, we, we can we can keep our continuity in place, and let's hope for the best. But I, I'm with you. I mean, it's the same thing. It's like it, even talking about it right now, it's like deja vu. They never found uh, the right answer for when Derek went out, uh, at least consistency-wise, for the next few years, and they're not finding the right answer for when Lonzo Ball's on the floor. And that goes all the way up one more time. I mean, when you're making those kind of decisions and you're saying, this is our core, we believe in this guy, and... Something happens and you can't fix it. That is on everybody. The only thing I always push back on with the Lonzo Ball stuff is it's a nice team. Certainly they had success when he was out there and you thought, oh, it's coming together a little bit. But guys, where where was that team ever really going? This is a Bulls team that should be doing everything they can to win championships. And it was my feeling and certainly others in the league that, Even if everything had worked out great and he had stayed healthy, is it a a solid playoff team? Sure. But is it a team that's really going to contend for a title? Absolutely not.
3: Nick, before we let you go, let's look at some of the deals that are going down already. Uh, Daniel Gafford is headed to Dallas, so it looks like that takes Andre Drummond out of consideration there. Similarly, the Sixers have made a move for Buddy Heald, and there's some some fringe deals being made. Gordon Hayward is getting dealt as well. As you start looking at some of these moves and the valuations of these players, what is it telling you about the current market?
4: Uh, it, it tells me that I don't expect anything gigantic. Uh, to, to happen here in the next few hours. And, and, and as usual on the trade deadline, everybody gets so focused on, well, what's my team going to do? Because it can bring hope, even in the short term or in the long term, if you start making moves. But in my experience, aside from last year, when the Nets fell apart and they're moving Kyrie and, and Kevin Durant, we saw that those moves didn't even really help Dallas or Phoenix that much. I just have never put that much stock into what's going on. In my mind, you've got the teams that are in place and built to win at the end, and nothing has swayed me from what I've seen this year to think that it's not still Denver up top, Boston out of the East if they can stay healthy, and then we'll see what happens in the postseason. But there's nothing I've seen today or in the last few days in the build up to the deadline it makes me think that it's going to be a really big difference maker for anybody who has a chance to to do something special this year
1: nick let's talk like big nba in a couple of weeks man after the bulls don't do anything um this this was a real treat i'm so happy that we've got access to you and and you're able to come and be back here on the score
4: guys it's great to be with you It, it really feels uh uh, special to me, too, because I feel like everything came full circle from when Andy Garcia got me in the building with you all those years ago. So I look forward to it, and anytime you have me, I'll be there.
3: That's Nick Friedel, Odyssey NBA Insider on Sports Radio 670. The score How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island.